0: Welcome Willow Park Church to our online service and welcome to those of you who are going to be watching our South uh, gathering with Pastor Glenn preaching and also at 33 and all of our venues, both in the gym, in the Lake Country and all across our network with our different uh, opportunities to either worship, you know, in person or online. And I know that many of you that are joining right now are joining online. So I want to give you a big welcome. And I want to thank you for your ongoing support and the way that you have kept connected to us, the way that you've logged in and watched, and the way that you have allowed us make another shift, which has been a challenge, which is the shift to actually having multiple live gatherings with groups of of 50 and below. If you haven't been out, they have been uh, wonderful. Uh, there's been real encouragement. It's been quite emotional, actually, to see people who you haven't seen for three, four, five months with the pandemic. And it's been nice just to be able to preach myself and for the other preachers, Pastor Glenn, to be able to preach to at least a a live audience, which makes it more exciting for those of you that are joining us online for the worship. So before I hand over to Jesse and the band, let me pray and let me encourage you. Stay connected. Send us an email, message us. If you're watching this, do use the message board. And if you have needs for prayer, we would love to hear from you. So welcome to Willow Park Church. Father, I thank you that at the beginning of this gathering, here on Sunday morning, we can give thanks to the Lord and we can praise your name. And Lord, I pray that as we spend this time, you will be with us you will encourage us and you will speak to us powerfully, I ask, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Enjoy your worship time. Good morning, you guys.
1: Um, it's so awesome to be able to do this together, to worship from wherever we're at together as one church. Um, and I just want to encourage you that wherever you're at, just, just take a moment. Um, just before God, before the Lord of the Lords and the King of Kings. Yeah. That yeah, God we love you and we're excited to worship you this morning. God, you are good and you are faithful. God, I pray that you'd be with us now as we worship.
2: Let your kingdom come here, let your will be done here, in us. Jesus, there is no one greater, and you alone our Savior, show the world your love. King of Heaven. King of heaven, come down. King of heaven, come now Let your glory reign Shining like the day King of heaven, come King of heaven, rise up Who can stand against us You are strong to save your mighty name, King of heaven, come. We are children of your mercy, rescue for your glory. Son the darkness running out of an empty grave.
1: That you reign above it all. God, over every single thing in this earth, God. God, nothing has power compared to you. God, we thank you for your sovereignty. Yeah, we love you. You guys, we're, we're about to take communion. So I want to encourage you to, um, whatever you have at home, just get it out. And uh, yeah, we're going to just come before the Lord and uh remember so yeah let's take communion together
0: thanks jesse and what a time of just thinking and concentrating on the very presence of jesus and giving god our father that kind of worship it is it's amazing just to be able to um, listen and to engage and to spend that time praying and preparing our hearts For the word that will follow. Pastor Glenn's going to be bringing a word at the south. And also I'm going to be bringing uh, a word. There at highway 33. But. Let's prepare our hearts. As we approach communion right now. Let me remind you. That Jesus said I am the bread of life. That reminds me. Of all of the truth that comes from the psalm that we've been studying and the ideas we've been thinking about is that that he provides all of our needs I shall not want when we look at the bread we are reminded that the body of Christ was given to us so that all of our needs can be met Jesus himself said, I am the bread of life. In other words, he was saying, true contentment, true peace and life comes through communing with me. But of course, the bread is not just that. It is a symbol of a body that was broken as it was nailed upon the cross. And that very act of being nailed upon the cross reminds me, That Jesus took all of our burdens, all of our grief, all of our pain. All of the weight of sinfulness of mankind upon himself and gave his life for us. Let me remind you that this was a painful journey. His body was broken. He was whipped, scourged led through the street, carrying his own cross, collapsing because of the weight, getting help, but then finding himself at the place called Golgotha. There, brutal pieces of metal were driven into his hands and into his feet. He was then horribly lifted up, but he was lifted up so that whoever looked upon him may be forgiven, may be healed. Like the serpent in the story of, of the Exodus that was lifted up and that whoever looked at this brass serpent, the poison would go away from the bites of the snake. In the same way, the poison of the work of the fall, the poison of sinfulness, the poison of sin and death, the power of Satan was broken when Jesus Christ was broken for us. So take the bread, eat and remember, this is the body of Christ broken for you. Eat it in the name of God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Father, thank you for Jesus and that his body was broken for me. And thank you for this bread that reminds me of his brokenness and reminds me of the life that I now have. Thank you, Lord. Amen. In the same manner, he took a cup and having poured out the wine, He took the cup. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant that takes away the sins of the world. Father, I thank you that as we drink this, we are reminded that we were once condemned. We were once filthy. We were once broken and lost. We were once renegades at odds with God. Warring against you, Lord, but you took us, you forgave us and you gave us forgiveness, salvation and hope. The blood of Jesus that takes away the sins of the world. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, that finishes our communion time. And thank you for staying with us. Right now, we're going to move to Family News. And after that, if you're logged on to South, Pastor Glenn will be sharing. If you're logged on to Willow Park, Highway 33, I'll be sharing So the lord bless you as you enjoy the word being preached and take a good note of the willow one news right now thank you
3: hello willow park church my name is courtney whether you're joining us from church online or one of our dwell gatherings welcome and here's your family news Next week is kickoff Sunday at Willow Park Church. Make sure to join us online or in person at one of our dwell gatherings to celebrate as a church family. We will be starting our brand new message series called Hidden, Our Life in Jesus. Also, our Lake Country location will be adding another in-person service at 11 a.m. We look forward to seeing everyone next Sunday. We have two new things happening for kids at Willow Park. First, we are now offering a preschool version of Kids Church Online. The preschool video will be available every Sunday at willowparkchurch.com kidschurch. We are also excited to announce we will be starting our in-person Kids Club on Tuesday nights starting October 6th. This program is for kids in grades K to grade 5. Learn more and register online at willowparkchurch.com clubs. We are once again raising funds for Child of Mine, which supports two children's homes in northern India. A group of runners and walkers will be doing a virtual event October 17th, and this year the funds raised will go towards post-secondary education for graduates of the homes. Learn more on the Child of Mine website at childofmine.ca slash events. A big thank you for all of you who volunteered or donated for our back to school giveaway last Sunday in Lake Country. We had over 150 people from the community attend and we were able to give away over 1,200 items, including backpacks, lunch kits, hats, brand new clothing, gift cards, and a free lunch for all of the families. It was an awesome event. That's all for your family news. Thanks and enjoy your service.
0: Well, thank you very much and thank you for joining us. Uh, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the um, service here. And for those of you who are joining us online and on Facebook Live and on the different platforms, those of you that are in the gym and in other venues where you're connecting with us, we are so grateful that on this uh, Long weekend, you have chosen to be with us. So hi to those in the gym and, uh, and to all of those. We are so blessed that you're with us. Now, I'm looking out at this vast crowd of uh, 47 people or so this morning. And as I'm looking out at you, um, there are some of you who are the first time that you've been in a Dwell venue. So big welcome. It was nice to see you. Nice to connect really happy that you're joining with us. and really blessed that you're there. And isn't it amazing to see the uh, backpack giveaway and all that happened in Lake Country? Just so brilliant. Even though we are dispersed, like uh, the persecution of the church in Rome, but it's a not—it's a pandemic dispersion. We are still active; the church is still alive, and God is still calling us to move and to work. So it's fantastic, absolutely uh, brilliant. Well, we've been um, uh, working. Um, our way to the book of Psalms. But before I do that, let me mention that uh, we are so grateful for your faithfulness. We're so blessed by the way that you give. And there are many ways, of course, to give online, in person, automated. There is an offering box as you leave at the back if you so desire, so you know uh, a little bit about that. We're kicking off next week. Now, some good news for you. According to uh, uh, all that we've engaged with, with Worksafe BC, with Interior Health, uh, we have wonderfully been able to get the balcony, a massive balcony, designated as an alternative venue. So that is isn't that brilliant. So that means we move from 45 people in here to 90 people, which uh, which is is wonderful news. We're all happy about that. I mean, it's it's not. It's a bit different. I mean, we can actually hold 650 people in here, Uh, 700. I think at Living Nativity, don't tell anybody they got a lot more than that in here for one or two shows. But we rejoice in that and we continue to, uh, for those of you that are watching online and those that would like to engage, we continue to create a safe environment, uh, complying to all the regulations, talking to all the authorities and being... Uh, good members of our society, at the same time proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God consistently. So we we walk in that balance and we've had um, some lovely correspondence and we're able now to use the balcony. You can't come in through this way, you come in through a different way, different toilets, different exits, but there'll be people in those balconies uh, which will feel like we've got angels amongst us. Uh, so that'll be uh, fantastic. I've been preaching about Psalm 23 and working our way through thoughts and ideas concerning the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside still waters, he restores my soul. And as we've looked at this psalm, I've tried to explore some larger theological ideas with you to understand the concept of of living a contented life within Psalm 23 and trying to talk. Last week we spoke about goodness, didn't we? And about that journey, surely goodness and mercy. And we are on the project of goodness in the world. I preached quite a lot about uh, Curtis's uh, tomatoes and, um, and talked about all of those. He sent me a picture of a massive um, load of tomatoes that they were giving out in the street. So that was, uh, that was wonderful. Well, Curtis now is, uh, has a week off and is going on holiday camping. So uh, he can uh, eat all the tomatoes he wants for his delight. Uh, but, but it was lovely to, to talk about that whole concept of provision, the concept of goodness, the concept of God's project to bring goodness to the world and that we can live in a deep sense of God's goodness, God's grace and God's strength. But the question does beg this. If the Lord is our shepherd and we shall not lack, why is there so much lack within the world? Because we do see lack that exists within the world. We see the lack that is real. We see what is happening. You know, you only have to get your TV remote and flick through the hundreds of cable and satellite stations that we have and watch the dozens and dozens of newscasts to see how much difficulty and pain there is. The instant feed. I, I was on my phone just earlier, just about ready to, to stream uh, this sermon through my own Facebook as another platform to communicate. Uh, and lots of English people then watch it as well. So, hi, Mom. And, and we do all of that, and um, it's good. But then it came up on my uh, Apple news brief that there was a stabbing today in my own ha- home t- city, and seven people were stabbed and one killed instant news. You remember that moment when we all saw the scenes as in an instant of an explosion in Beirut and then it unfolds and then we see the pain and the suffering that there happens in the world. Just um, uh, last week there was another pastor killed in Nigeria for preaching and pulled over uh, by uh, Islamic militants. And we see all of the pain and we ask ourselves the question, well, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack, I shall not want. But there seems to be a lot of want in the world. Why? How? People are unkind, people are unsupportive, people are, uh, can be mean. Have you ever been involved in a family dispute over a will? And you can see how things can go badly wrong very quickly, right? I've had the unfortunate experience as a minister to be involved in those moments. And you can often see in the darkest of time, you know, human nature, uh, relationships broken, people descending into chaos. Of course, one of the results of sin is chaos, In fact, what what God wanted to bring into the world was order out of chaos. And chaos is one of the fruits of a sinful world and a broken society. Chaos is one of those things. But we have to come back to something that we don't often preach a lot about. But it's important to talk about today when we're thinking about the reality of a spiritual battle and something we forget. And what we forget is, according to the Apostle Paul, we do have an enemy, we do have somebody that is present... And the Bible calls him Satan, the Bible calls him Lucifer, the Bible calls him the devil. The Bible speaks about an angel uh, that is fallen, that is real, that has authority and has some power and is affecting humanity and wars against humanity right from the garden until this very day. And the problem is, is that for even for believers... We can put the power of darkness and, and the idea of evil and the devil to consign him to the cartoon books. Or we can consign him to a Netflix show called Lucifer. Or we can uh, think about it as a kind of not believing it. And the problem is, is that even some Christians forget that we are in the reality of a spiritual battle that exists and is real within the world. But we can forget that. I've had in my life opportunities to minister to people who have been involved in the darker cult. Have met and, and talked to people that have been involved in true forms of witchcraft have met and led people to Christ who were members of satanic groups and hell's angels and prayed with them for deliverance. One particular young man was a member of a group called Satan's Slaves. And that is a whole different story I could tell you about the way that he found Jesus Christ. But the one thing I realise Even praying with people who have engaged in these dark things in the Okanagan. The one thing I realize is that they are under no doubt that what they connected with was real, what they connected with was powerful, and what they connected with was dark. No doubt. And yet there's a danger in Christianity that we become so nominal, we sort of believe, but we forget that there is an enemy, there is a battle, and the Bible calls him the prince of the power of the air. So the Apostle Paul painted a picture, a general picture and I'll just uh, explain it. It's not the time to get into theological nuances, but there was definitely in his writings the idea of three heavens. One, the air, the heavens here. Two, the realm of the angelic. We know that it exists. You just have to read the book of Daniel to see how the battle took place in the realm of the angelic. And then there is the realm of God's glorious dwelling place where God's glory dwells himself. It seems that the prince of the air had authority and has authority over the air. It seems that there is an engagement between the angelic that exists, but it is impossible for the power of uh, darkness, the devil, to touch the glory of the kingdom of God ever. Because that is is a sovereign, that is eternal, that is unmovable. The power and the might of God the creator is untouchable. But we do have what the Bible calls in different references. You can see the the prince of the air in what I want to call the first heaven. In Ephesians it says the prince of the power of the air that exists. So when we look at the world... We can often forget that we are in a spiritual battle and we need to realise that this spiritual battle is real. But what, what is the story of the devil? What is the story of Lucifer? Well, we have to go back to the ancient prophets to understand much of the story. And with many ancient prophets, when you read ancient prophecies, they often prophesy into the time and the place, like against Tyre, the nation of Tyre, or Assyria, and so on. But then they switch in a verse to go from local, immediate, to global and eternal. It's a little bit like when I go camping. I was camping up at the uh, up at Salmon Arm, and as I was camping at Salmon Arm, Um, I'd sit on the beach and I love my binoculars, okay? Every man needs a good set of binoculars, okay? Because you can spy and see things. What bird is that? That's an eagle, yes. But I spent most of my time at, um, at, I think it was Harold Park, watching the trains go by, the Trans-Canada, and then pulling out my binoculars and counting how many carriages there are. Wow, wow. I know how to have a holiday. And there are 191 I got to. So, but I love to switch. So I kind of, I kind of, one minute it's close up. If you switch binoculars, it's far away, right? And kids love to do that. They love to watch it through the other way. And they're like, you're so small and tiny. And then flick, oh, you're so close to me. Ah. Kids do this. This is what prophecy does. It switches in the moment from close up to far away, from close up to eternal, from close up to the very end. So one minute it's talking about Assyria and Babylon and Tyre. And there we have this experience in Isaiah 14. It says, How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who are weakened. The nations, for you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. This is the aim and the motivation of darkness is to ascend so that it's more prominent than God Himself. I will ascend, I will go. I am going to put my throne right in there where God's throne is. Now, isn't that the battle that we can often dethrone God from our lives and put something else as the king of our life? And this battle is often going on to whether he rules our life or the throne of of the Lord is number one sovereign within our life and within our walk with God. There's always that battle going on between who's Lord and not Lord. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest side of the north. This is what he said to himself. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and I will be like the most high. I want to be like him. I want to rule. I want to be like the Most High. I want to be number one. I want to be like him in that. And there is the battle of humanity that I want to be like God. I want to rule my own creation. I want to be number one. I want to be driven by myself. I want to rule. Sounds familiar, this verse, doesn't it? Uh, I will be like the most high. Where have you heard that verse before? In the primeval history of creation, we read that verse. You will be like God, the serpent said. You see, you will be like God. I will be like the most high. Eve, you will be like God because that's my ultimate lie. That somebody can be like God. That, that the worship goes to me. The adoration goes to me. That I will be like God. And Ezekiel prophesied this, speaking again of those great uh, passages about Lucifer and about Satan. You were in Eden, we know that, the garden of God. And there is a battle that exists. And when we see the lack in the world, when we see the pain in the world, when we see what is happening, we have to realise that there is one that comes to deceive people, the one that comes to destroy, the one that comes to work against. I destroy you, overcoming the cherubim from the midst of the fiery stone. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendour. I cast you to the ground and I laid you before the kings that they might gaze on you. So we know that this prince of the air ruled, had splendour, was glorified and chose to rebel against God with others. We know that. From scriptures and we understand it, that it is real. So there was a real problem, a real battle that is taking place. Now the reason Jesus Christ came into the world was to do what? To destroy the works of darkness and there we have the good news. That as we understand in 1 John 3 8, he who sins is of the devil For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest that he might what? Destroy the works of the devil. What is the ultimate work of the devil? It is the power of sin and death that entered into humanity. And the reason Jesus Christ came was to remove the power of sin and destroy the power of death so we can once again live for eternity. You and I are going to live forever. You and I are going to live for Jesus. You and I have received that. The angelic, I guess, from the second king, the second heaven came to Joseph, son of David. Do not be afraid to take up your Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her, this is called, of course, the incarnation, when God became man and God dwelt amongst us, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. If you save people from their sins... You destroyed the work of the devil and set them free from sin and death and therefore set them free from the power of darkness. You see, we think Christmas is just about beautiful moments, great carols, which we love, living nativity with, with camels falling off the stage. And we remember those moments and the beauty of that. But the incarnation of Christmas was a declaration of war from heaven, whereby Jesus was coming to destroy the works of the devil and to say, we know where the responsibility lays. The responsibility lays within the pain and the suffering of this world, lays uh, at there at the feet of the devil and his antics and what he chose to do. And what has happened in humanity is the result and we look at the world and the responsibility is there because of the work of lucifer of satan of the prince of the air that brought in and the responsibility has to be placed there responsibility also has to be placed with humanity there that there is that reality that there is that that knowledge Insomuch then as the children have partaken of the flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, the incarnation, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. So through the cross, Jesus destroyed the power and the curse of death. Through Christ's death, he Gained that victory. He made that difference in our lives. Paul certainly believed this. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Pull on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The wiles of the devil. Have you ever wondered why so much pain and suffering within humanity, for much of it, could actually be solved. With cooperation, with working together, with a change of attitude, the laying down of certain prejudices, the willing to sacrifice certain status, suffering and pain could change. But often these Things are not addressed in humanity and we fail to get our act together so that we can bring about meaningful change. Have you noticed that? Some areas we've uh, made a great strides forward in modern history. But in other areas, we, have, we fail and fail again as ideas and philosophies clash together and these ideas in our minds humans against humans that, that we disregard the needs of others. These ideas and these philosophies and concepts war against each other and bring humanity down. Where do these concepts and ideas come from? Where do these stories and philosophies come from? They are ideas that come from the very darkness themselves that seek to hold Christianity, seek to hold humanity back they're just a a change. See, I don't know about you, but do you remember when you were non-Christian and what you thought and you are now a Christian and how you can't believe that you used to think that way? I'll give you an example. Euthanasia. When I was not a Christian, I used to argue and debate at debate meetings at my school about the validity of euthanasia, that people can choose to die whenever they please, even if they're fine. If they choose to want to die, it's fine for society to initiate that so that a person can take away their own life. I was articulate, I was dynamic, I spoke it with conviction. I believed in the human being's right to choose to live or to die, but when I was born again and the Spirit came into my life, I sat up one morning in bed and I thought, how could I believe that? How could I believe when there's the image of God, the sanctity of life, the glory of what God has placed in me? I'll tell you why. Because the place where the enemy works is always in thoughts, in our mind, in concepts, in philosophies that tempt, that drag down humanity and bring us down into darkness. And many of humans' problems is because they are rooted in philosophical ideas that do not bring life. They bring division. and they bring death. You can see that even on individuals' lives. My view on abortion was very different. Saw it as a natural part of um, birth control, if you like. And and that was fine. And we argued and debated that in ethical classes and so on. But when I was born again, suddenly I realised, you know, knitted together in our mother's womb and I know that creates a lot of pain in people and I just want to say that by touching the subject I want you to know that if you've traveled that journey there is grace, there is healing and there is the love of God and redemption but Talking about it as a academic exercise, a philosophical thought process, I believe this philosophical approach because my mind was darkened. And now I believe this because the freedom of Christ has come in my heart. And I look at all of humanity and life as as remarkable and amazing and precious. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. You are not called to battle your neighbour. <laughs> your neighbor's not the problem. Okay, and we know your, your, your brother-in-law's not the problem. You might think so. Your, your sister-in-law's not the problem. I don't know who you're battling with. I mean, I don't know what's going on in your life. But... Flesh and blood is not the problem, but against the principalities, the powers against the rulers of the darkness of this age. There's many principalities, powers. Whether they are massive corporations that promote a certain agenda, whether they are powerful uh, companies that control resources the size of medium-sized nations, whatever they are, unbeknownst, There is a battle that creates a lack in humanity because of the battle that exists. And often we forget there's a spiritual because we begin to believe that the spiritual is always, in today's society, spiritual is always good. Spiritual is cool. Spiritual is awesome. Spiritual is always wonderful. Are you spiritual? There's good and there's dark. There's a battle. There's two sides to spiritual coin. And humanity and our own thinking is part of that battle that exists. And, and, and so therefore, our minds are affected. The generation of sons of disobedience. I was a son of disobedience before I found salvation. And among whom also were all once conducted ourselves in lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the what? the mind. And were by nature the children of wrath just as the others. In other words, I lived by my own mind. I was deceived in my own mind. I was consumed by my own lust of flesh. I fulfilled my own personal desires and the flesh of the mind. This is how a lot of people live. And that's why when salvation comes, people say to me, oh, I became a Christian. I've got more problems now I'm a Christian than I did before. Well, of course you do. Because you're starting to relearn a new way of thinking, a new way of living, a new way of being given, because you are stepping into the renewing of your mind as you're freed from the lies of this world and you're transformed into the kingdom of God. Amen? It's amazing. This world is marked by spiritual dynamics that John, John identifies three spiritual dynamics lust of the flesh lust of the eye and pride of life look at that scripture i can tell you that satan's strategy has always been those three things to bring us down and to tempt us and to destroy us and to drag us down always been those three things these three things it's what we, the flesh, it's what we consume and take into our lives. The eye, what we look at, or how we like to be looked at, our own pride and the way we are, and our own pride of life, what I have achieved, what I have done, what area. And these are the three distinct temptations in scripture that are followed through and those three areas affect each of our lives and these are the three strategies that the enemy. If you look at any of these three things and where you've got in trouble in life, often we get in trouble because of our pride, often we get in trouble because of what we're consuming or taking into our lives or experience, often we get into trouble by what we look at or how we think we should look classic. Hmm. But let's go back in time for a moment to primeval history at the very beginning. And what do we find? Genesis 3, 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, the lust of the flesh. This is good. This feels good. That it was pleasant to the eyes I like to look at it, it looks good, and it tastes good, and a tree desirable to make one what? Wise, wise again. She took it and ate the fruit, and she gave it to her husband, and they ate. You see how those three things are the three things in one John. Now let's take the thinking forward When Jesus himself was being tempted in the wilderness, the enemy used the three things. He used bread because of the food, the fruit, the luck of what I take in. He used, took him to the highest point of Jerusalem where he could see the whole area and all the people down below to throw yourself off. Now how could that be to do with looking good? Well if Jesus had been thrown himself off, the angels would have come from heaven, Jesus would have come down like some kind of superman moment, they were all of Jerusalem would have looked and they were, he would have looked like the blazing messiah that everybody expected would come. But Jesus came as a different kind of messiah, make sense? So he tempted him with what he could consume. He tempted him with looking the part of the great Messiah. That moment will happen but the second coming and then he tempts him by saying I will give you all of this world and political power and strength. In other words, I'll give you all the wise, I'll give you all the power and I'll give you all the strength. That is how the enemy still works today. Because all of our desires are often rooted in our fears, the fears of not getting what we want. But it's the battles in the mind. The battle is there. It is written, again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God Away from you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, him only, and you shall serve. You shall not serve your own wisdom. You not serve your own brilliance. You not serve your own beauty. You not serve your own glory. You not consume stuff that will only satisfy you for a moment. We want to be consumed by God. We want to, we can always justify our actions when one of these areas of temptation takes place. I mean, Cain justified it completely uh, when he murdered his brother Abel. Am I my brother's keeper? That I am there. The battles in the mind. It was in the mind in primeval history, in the times of Noah. Look, look. Why God chose. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was so great in the earth, we know that, that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil. That every intent of the thoughts of his heart. Our thoughts and our heart, our mind is what we need to bring under control to get victory over temptation and the lies of the enemy. As a man thinketh, so he is. And when we consider, God looks on the heart for two reasons. Our heart is the source of our actions and life, but more important here, our thoughts are where Satan plies his trade. He governs thoughts and images through ideas, through feelings and Through fears. You know, and I know that most of our problems are created by our thoughts. Most of the world's problems are created by philosophies and ideas that exist. And that our battle is against strongholds, as Corinthians says, and against the philosophies and ideas of this world. So why do I tell you all this? A bit different of a... uh, I tell you this because if you're truly going to live Psalm 23 with the contentment, with the peace of the Lord, with still waters and lie down in green pastures, and that you will fear no evil, for your rod and your staff is with me. We realise that mentally and spiritually, you cannot live your life in neutral. You see, your mind is either set before the Lord, or it's not. And you can't live neutrally, because that doesn't work. But most have given themselves over to the thoughts. of, and they're thinking of darkness. I had an old uh, minivan back in England, and sometimes the battery would play up and it was a stick shift, so I would push it out of my drive down a hill and I would roll it down the hill and knock it into second and it would, you know, awesome. Experiences that my children do not have because they drive automatics, terrible. And I keep saying, you need to learn a stick ship. It's all about that, Uh, get on with it. And they're like, you get better cars, change gears, no. And I spent most of my teens bump-starting my cars that way because my alternator was wrecked or my uh, battery was dead and I was poor. And so I'd always used to park on a hill, go and preach at the church at 18, park on a hill, rush out say, bye-bye, roll it out with no noise, into neutral, then start it up. Always worked for me, rolling it in neutral. Always works until this minivan. I rolled it down the hill, I got up to 40 miles an hour, I was really happy, it's going to start, it's going to start, and I shift the gear and I put the gear straight into reverse. There's only one or two ways to go when you're going down a the hill. There's either the gears going forward or the gears that goes backwards. But you don't want to be in neutral because you're gambling whether you're going to end up in reverse or go forward. Isn't that human life? How many people have you known spiritually that are in neutral And praise the Lord, they get their engine going again and they get going and life carries on. And that's a blessing. But some, you and I know, they're in neutral and they think they're fine, but you're never fine in neutral. Don't be neutral about the things of the spirit and the spiritual world. And they throw their, unbeknownst to them, they throw their life into absolute chaos as they put it into reverse and they're Gears grind and the engine explodes. It was a great noise, I have to say. But I learned my lesson. That little Renault minivan went to its grave. I could not replace that engine. I just, it was, I just got rid of it. You see, your mind, please... Don't keep it in neutral, don't put it in reverse, but keep it set on the ways of the kingdom of God. Meditate on what is good, memorise on what can change you, allow truth to affect your life and make a difference, but don't be neutral. Because it's always a battle in the mind. What was Gethsemane about in the garden? It was about the mind. He agonised and the enemy came to him and worked with him in Gethsemane. So much more theologically about that and I've preached on what was going on there as he was coming to terms with taking all of humanity's agony into his body as a vessel for salvation for us. But... We have to remind ourselves, we have to remind ourselves that the battle is in the mind. Interesting that after Gethsemane we never hear about Satan again in, that, in the Gospels that way. Because at that point he stepped back, the crowds did their job, the political systems did their job, the religious systems did their job, but on the third day the Son of God did his job and rose victorious. Amen? Amen. And I just realized that I've been preaching quite a long time and there's a gym are watching right now. Let's give the gym a cheer. They've been watching. Hey, sorry, Jordan. I've just been going at it and I, I wanted to land it. I, for some reason, I thought nobody was watching right now apart from those online. But bless you. I'm going to land it now. I'm going to land it. You have a choice. Know where true black comes from. It comes from the lives of the enemy in that primeval moment when the serpent came. Know that the victory is found like Jesus rebuked Satan in his temptation in the truth of the word of God. And whatever battle you've got, the word of God can bring you freedom. The power of Christ can free you. If you let it. And let's not forget, church, we're in a battle. That's why great denominations of revival are now generations on as dead as a doornail, because they've listened to the lies and philosophies of the world and haven't kept true to the Word of God and the belief that we are at war but we are on the winning side. So Father, thank you and we bless you and thank you for those that have listened in our venues, those that have listened online, on Facebook Live and wherever we are, I pray that we may move from neutral in the right direction and that God, we may not throw our lives into reverse. Keep us committed and growing with you, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for listening and thanks for joining us online and in the gym. Amen.